0: And God bless all of the turkeys. Well, it's wonderful that you all skated to church this morning. <laughs> Fantastic. You uh, had the sleighs out there. That was nasty, wasn't it? It was just absolutely amazing. Uh, my wife and I uh, take our dog off for a walk sometimes. We went out last night around 11 o'clock. And our dog, poor dog, uh, he always, he's so excited, so he just runs out the garage, you know, to hit the ground running. And he comes out, and we have a little kind of a slight uh, angle on our, our driveway he, he runs out and in about one second realizes that something funky's going on. So he's trying to, you know, get back to the garage. And we're watching him just slide down. He's like, help! Uh, yeah, you just have to be very, very, very careful. But you braved it so you get extra indulgence points this morning. Way to go. Uh, righteousness for you. Uh, my name is Greg Boyd. I'm a senior pastor here at Woodland Hills Church. We are ending this series that we've been in called Undivided. Uh, It has been a powerful, uh, for many folks, life-changing series. I have heard just a lot of stuff about that. Even just this morning, met with some of the leaders and and, uh, just got testimonies about what God has done throughout this series. It's really been, one person said, this has seriously upset my life, and he meant that in a good way. Uh, Really turning some things upside down, getting to the root of our fragmentation. That's what this whole series has been about. It's got some particular uh, powerful feedback about Terry's poems which uh, uh, I, I, I've read those dozens and dozens of times, those the six poems that are in there, but there's something inspired about them. Every time I read them, I get something new out of that, and I've heard other people saying that. Uh, a few folks have been saying they want to go over this exact same uh, material again because they feel like it, you could just hover there for a long time. We're not going to do that as a church, but some, some groups are doing that on their own. It's just been powerful. One of the reasons it's been so powerful is because it's so needed, we are a people that are just acclimated to fragmentation. Uh, we live in a culture that is just on hyper-spin, and, 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 and we, we sort of get used to it. We suffer the effects of it, but we often don't notice just how uncentered our life has been. And so this whole series has been about not so much trying to focus on how to simplify our external world and, and, and bring uh, some order to our external world, though that is always necessary, but even more, look, going to the heart of the issue and... And uh, asking the question, how do we bring simplicity to our heart? Because until simplicity is in our heart, we're going to have a hard time having any real simplicity in our life. Until there's a focus and unity and orientation, a singularity in the heart, well, we'll always be vulnerable to the the hectic pace of the world pulling us out of ourselves. And so we've been looking at, at this. We talked in the beginning of the series about just the need to guard our heart. It's very easy for us to even be out of touch with what's going on in our heart. And so learning how to listen to our heart, take, making the, the sacred space in our life to slow down enough to listen to what is going on there, the aches, the pains. What are the children trying to teach us? And, if, and to follow those aches and pains down to the core of, of what it is that we're grasping that perhaps is causing that or what it is that we're believing that's causing that. We talked about how uh, just the, way, the priority that our culture puts on the public, on what others can see, And how how much more important that is than what's on the inside, how that belief itself can be a fragmenting force in our life. Because it causes us to be much more aware of and concerned about what goes on in our external world than what's going on in our heart. And then we talked about time and the way that we conceptualize time and how that pulls us out of ourself. When we see time as a monetary quantity. And then we talked about stuff, just the way that we're conditioned to accumulate stuff and chase stuff and grab onto stuff. And, and that impulse to chase and to grab and to hold, well, that also pulls us out of ourselves. These core beliefs that we have, this, the, the, things in the depths of our heart that allow us to be fragmented by our environment. And then last week we talked about relationships, how relationships can either be helpful in bringing further orientation and singularity and purpose to our life or they can be one more fragmenting force in our life. All good stuff that we need to seriously be offering up to God and surrendering to God and getting wisdom about. We're going to close this series this morning uh, in a little bit of a different way. And I, I'm going to kind of return back to the basics, but uh, back to the first message, but do it from a different angle. Uh, we're entitling this, this, uh, this message uh, for The Center of the Ride. We're on this ride, and how important it is to stay in that center that we've been talking about uh, throughout this series. Finding the center. Writing in the center. Uh, Let's look at this passage here, Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to warn you that the first 10 minutes of this message is going to be rather thick theologically, but it's laying the foundation for what's going to be coming after that. Um, You won't see, or at least it won't be obvious what this has to do with finding the center for the first 10 minutes. But hang with me, I promise you that it will become clear later on. Uh, For some folks, if you've been here for more than two or three years, you've heard some of this before, but it's very important foundational review. For others, if you're you're new here, uh, this is going to be brand new material. And so I encourage you to put your thinking caps on and follow this. It's very important stuff. It says in Hebrews 4, verse 12, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Here's how sharp it is. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It divides the thoughts, or it could be it, it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Let me pray here. Father, make this word come alive to us. Infuse this word with your authority and your wisdom and open our hearts and minds to receive your word deeply, profoundly, to make fundamental changes, maybe in the way that we do life on the inside. And free us, Lord God, to be a people who live life out of the center rather than in the spin of our world. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Uh, Let's let's read that verse again. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive. It's active. The Word of God here is simply the truth of God. It all revealed truth. It's alive and active. It's not a dead thing. It's sharp. A two-edged sword cups up and down. And it penetrates, here's how sharp it is, to dividing soul and spirit. How, is, how can that be divided? Joints and marrow. Thoughts and intentions. Usually we think of the human beings as simply being body and spirit. We have a physical, physical side and a spiritual side. And that's usually how the Bible talks about human beings, and usually that's adequate. But there are some topics, some issues, where it becomes important to go a little deeper than that. And this is, this is a verse uh, that, that applies to those issues and topics. Because here, we're not just body and spirit or body and soul, but we're, there, it makes a distinction between soul and spirit. And the Word of God divides soul and spirit. Now, what, what, what is it getting at? The clue to the answer is found in this verse itself because the author gives us a parallelism. Draws these parallels. So the author is saying this, that soul is to spirit what joints are to marrow, what thoughts are to the intentions of the heart or the disposition of the heart. There's this parallel going on. And you can begin to see the nature of the distinction between soul and spirit by looking at this parallel. We know what joints are. Uh, they are what uh, join bo- bones together. What holds your bones together? That's the kind of joints I'm talking about, anyways. Um, it, it's what holds your, your bones together. Your skeletal frame, it's your togetherness, the joints. But marrow is what makes a bone a bone. It make, makes your bones distinctly human bones. It's the essence of a bone. In the same way, soul is the togetherness of you, what holds you together. It's what makes you a single person. It's the, the word there is "suke," and we get the word psychology from it. It refers primarily to our mind. It's, your, it's the way, it's the you insofar as you think yourself and experience yourself. It's the held-togetherness of your memories and your future dreams and anticipations. It's the held-togetherness of your experiences, how you experience your life in any moment. That's your soul. But there is something more profound to you than that. And that is your spirit. Your spirit is the essence of who you are. It's the center of your being. It's your core. Soul is to spirit. What joints are to marrow. What thoughts are to intentions. Your, your thoughts are just what, what... It's your think. It's your think. Past think, future think, present think. That's your think. Intentions of your heart, however, are the fundamental dispositions of the, at the core of your being. It's how you are fundamentally disposed in life. It is what ultimately decides whether you're a kingdom person or not. It's not your think that does that. It's whether you're orientated toward to be a God person or a self person. It's the fundamental defining feature of human beings. And the Word of God is is able to separate those two things. Now before I get into that, here's a a way of kind of flushing out God's design. and and why this distinction between soul and spirit is important. Here's God's design for the relationship between soul and spirit. When God creates this world, he wants to be Lord over everything, right? He wants to be Lord of, of heaven and earth. But he wants to do it through mediators. And on earth, we are the mediators. And here's how it looks. God wants to be Lord over our spirit. He creates us. He tells us who we are. He tells us what our worth is. That's the core of our being. He wants to define the core of our being. And then, out of his empowering, our job is is then to be Lord over our soul, our think, our experienced self, our brain. Our brain then tells our body what to do, and our body then impacts the world. And if all that is in line, then God's will gets carried out on earth as it is in heaven. Body to spirit, spirit to soul, or God to spirit, spirit to soul, soul to body, body to world, God reigns on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, It's it's the the divine hierarchy there. Unfortunately, as you know, things are a little messed up right now, and things don't always operate this way. Right now, we are in bondage to a principality and power that we ourselves, as a race, invited in on this world. And Satan is the great perverter. He's perverse, and the word perversio means to turn upside down. He reverses everything. And so he's called the god of this age and the principality and power of this air. And in his design... He has this influence over the whole world and he uses things that happen in the world to impact our body. Everything in our physical environment comes at us and is mediated through our body. Our body then tells in his design what our mind what to think and we conclude in a, as a spirit that that's who we are. Everything is, 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 is reversed. In God's design we're defined from the top down and the inside out and in Satan's design we're defined from the bottom up and the outside in. The world tells us who we are. And so the example I've always used a million times is, is I'm three years old and, and uh, my grandma gets everyone presents but doesn't get me a present and she says, "Greggy is a bad boy. Now, I'm not saying she was Satan, but he, she was being used at that point to communicate a deceptive message to me, the message, you are bad. So it comes at me in this physical fallen world, comes at me through my body, goes into my brain, and I conclude that that's who I am. And so I go through life playing out that tape, as well as a million other lies. This is the world that we live in. There's a constant bombardment of lies. The enemy using everything from wounded parents, wounded grandparents, things that we see, things that happen to us, things that are said to us. All these things come at us in this physical world through our bodies, impact our mind, and then we think that's who who we really are. Most people think they are their think. We we just inherit a world. It's given to us. We inherit our our self-identity from our environment wasn't supposed to be that way. That's, that's being defined from the bottom up and the outside in. Now, when you surrender your life to Christ, your spirit, your soul, your marrow is new. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that you are now a child of God. You've got a new destiny and all sorts of other things. That is true about you. The minute you surrender, the core of your being over to him, uh, all those things become true. But it's not the case that your brain is automatically healed of everything. Nor is it the case that you get transported out of this world into La La Land where there's no longer any evil influences on you. No, you keep on living in this war zone. Which means that even though God tells you who you really are, you're also got, to, you continue to have a lot of other forces that are coming at you telling you who you are. And you've got all the old tapes that you inherited from the world telling you who you are. So there's a battle going on. It looks like this We are defined by God to the point of spirit, He tells us who we really are. And to some degree we tell our mind what is true and take authority, but we also have Satan using this fallen world to impact our body, telling us who we are. And now there's a battle going on. It's a battle that takes place in three and a half pounds of noodles between your ears. It's the battle of the mind. You really see this is why it is entirely possible for a person to be genuinely regenerate. Uh, you genuinely are, are uh, a follower of Jesus. In the core of your being, you love God, want to follow God, want to do God's will. You, you really want that. But you're really screwed up in the head. You, you, your head's damaged. You're believing all sorts of lies. You're wounded. And, and so y- your life can be seriously messed up. But that doesn't mean you're not genuine. It just means you're messed up. And we're all messed up. We're all brain damaged. How can you act brain damaged in this war zone environment? We all got lies that are lodged there. The Bible calls them strongholds. And so, so God comes in and tells us who we really are a child of God, redeemed, got a new destiny holy and blameless in his sight, but we still got the Greg is bad stuff going on in our mind and the words that were said to you and things that were done to you. And the question is this, who's going to define you? Who's going to define you? Who's going to be your mommy? Who's going to be your Lord? See, because whoever defines you is your Lord. And, And it's our job as kingdom people, we are empowered by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit to now, under God's authority, tell our brains what to think. That's our job. We, our brains are just our organic computers our suke, and they will run on whatever, whatever truth we feed them you can keep on running with the old tapes of the world and all the present lies of the world that come at you through the media and a million other sources or here's what God is telling us to do we are to take every thought captive to Jesus Christ we are to tell our brain what to think this is why follow this now this is why the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword and can divide can distinguish between soul and spirit And this is why it's very important that we make that distinction. The word is the sword that tells us what is true in our marrow. And whatever doesn't agree with the word is not true. It maybe feels true because you've been thinking it all your life, but it's not true. So the word just cuts. Grandma says you're bad, but the word tells me that that I'm holy and righteous. It divides. It divides the lie uh, from, from the truth. It separates God's word from my grandma. Thank you. You, you. you thought you were a victim all your life. You're just going to be used by other people. But, but the Bible tells you you can do all things through Christ. who strengthens you. It divides soul and spirit. You've, your think has always been, I'm a victim. No, he, he, God wants to give us a new think. Somebody say amen to that. He wants to give you a new think. You always thought that, you know, you had to chase stuff and acquire stuff and achieve stuff and impress people in order to have a whole lot of worth. Your mom told you that or you learned that from television or who cares where you got it. It got in there. It's a stronghold. But see, the word of God is sharp and it can divide those things. Boom, that's a lie. Because in Christ, your worth is already settled. Calvary tells you who you are. You've got unsurpassable worth. You are worth dying for. Uh, the, the, the world told you that you are ugly, and that means that you've got to be a second-class citizen. But the Bible says you're the radiant bride of Christ. It divides those two things together. And our job is to let it divide. Let it set asunder which should never have been joined together. Separate the lies from the truth, and now we take captive every thought to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That's, that's the first job of discipleship you got all these folks saying, we're going to take back America for God. But first you got to take back the three and a half pounds between your ears. This is the most important plot of land that you've got. This is your inheritance. Yeah. You see, it's, it's, it's all about who's going to define you. Who's going to get in there? The Word of God is sharper than any short sword. That's why the Bible is so emphatic on, 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 on being a disciple of the brain. Being a disciple. Romans 12, 2 tells us, be transformed. Don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. That's all the lies. That's the bottom-up, outside-in mindset. Don't be conformed to that any longer. No, opt out of that. And be transformed by the renewing of your mind, going over and over and over again. What is true? Saturating your, your organic computer with truth. You are a spirit being, and you have authority to do that. The Bible uh, tells us in Ephesians, to put off that old self, that deceptive self, that lying self, and put on the new self, manifest the new self, the true self, the morrow self, the spirit self, by the renewing of your mind. You've already got it. It's already true. It's already there. This isn't pop psychology where you're trying to make it up, talk yourself into a more positive mindset. No, it's already true. You're just trying to get your brain to line up with what is true. Put off that old self and put on the new self by the renewing of your mind. Finally, it tells us, Whatever things are true, whatever things are good, whatever things are beautiful, think on those things. You see, you're, we're wired to experience as true whatever our brain is thinking, and we act out of that. Our, brain, our, our mind will tell our body what is an appropriate, appropriate way to act in any situation. And so if, if what you're thinking about is not true and not noble and not beautiful, you're going to have an untrue, uh, dishonorable, ugly life. <laughs> You're going to feel that. So Paul tells us. We have the authority. The fact that he tells us what to think tells us that we have the authority to tell our brains what to think. Uh, And and it's our job to turn to what is true, what is noble, what is beautiful, and think on those things. That's why it's so important to saturate your mind with the Word of God. Saturate your mind with truth. Have times where you let God just tell you what is true. Because you're going to continue to get bombarded with the other crap uh, until the day you die. This is a fallen world. What do you fight it with? You fight it with the truth. Of the Word of God. Most people assume that their think is true. They think that what they think is is, is right, because they've always thought that way. I I'm just a loser. I I I you know that's just who I am. I can't help it. This is just the way I think, this is just the way I feel, this is just what seems true. And see that what that means is, is, is you will even if your heart is regenerate, you will live as though that is true. You will live as this on the self that you inherited from this fallen world. Somebody downloaded a false self into you. Just pff, there you go. you get to have that. However, maybe it may have been the, the rape or the, the abandonment or the car crash, or, or it may have just been the friends at school, or somehow if somebody gave you, or maybe a whole crowd of people gave you a false self. And that will just keep on going on be feeling true if unless you, spirit being, realize that you are more than that. this is the beauty of this teaching: You are more than your think, you're more than your body. No, there's a part of you that that transcends all of that. There is a center of you that goes beyond your thinking and feeling and activity in this world. You have a center. It is the marrow, and it's who you truly are. And God tells you who you truly are in his word. And that can divide itself from all different thoughts and uh, different uh, uh, lies that you've inherited. If we let it, it's our job to take those thoughts captive to Jesus Christ. Okay. That was the 10 minutes of theology. Now, how, what does that have to do with finding the center? Living out of the center. Uh, let me get at this by telling you a story. It's the story that we have in the book, um, in uh, this chapter. Uh, I was in first grade, a young uh, Catholic boy, Catholic school in Ohio. We had in the playground this merry-go-round. It was a really cool merry-go-round, very, very fast. And uh, at one point, some older kids came over to me and my friend Danny and dared us to get on this merry-go-round and said, if, 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 uh, they, they wanted to push this merry-go-round, and if we could stay on for one minute, they would give us each a quarter. Now, in 1963, a quarter was a lot of money. I just dated myself. But uh, so, you know, that, 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 that's, a, that's a good offer. But even more importantly, Amy, uh, whom Danny and I both were fighting over, she heard this dare. She was standing by us. She was cute. And neither of us wanted to look like cowards in front of Amy. And so this became a contest over who's going to get the girl. (laughs) And so we got on this merry-go-round, and these older boys start pushing it, and within about four seconds, we realized we made a very, very bad mistake. This thing was going so incredibly fast. This centrifugal force was just pulling on us in the most incredible way. I realized, uh, I was on one side looking at Danny, and Danny immediately began to look sick. He's like, like you know, getting that look like he's going to barf. And I knew this was not going to go well unless something happened. And somehow I got, maybe it was a good angel, something in me said, go to the center of this thing. You look at the center of this thing, and it doesn't rotate. The thing rotates around it, but it is... And no one said how we had to stay on. And so I started pulling myself to get to that center. And it was hard because these boys were just going, this thing was spinning so fast. And I was feeling sick. And they, got, they started to complain. No fair, he's cheating. But then Amy pointed out, oh, you didn't say how they had to stay on. No fair, you can't change the rules. Yeah. Point. So I get to the center of this thing, and I'm able to like, 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 like stand out like this. and I'm going, yay, you know, got, I, I'm like Rocky. I, I, I'm in the no-spin zone. I found the no-spin no zone. And I'm looking there, and Danny, poor Danny, is going faster and faster and faster. In fact, as soon as I, it's about the time I got on this thing, he lost his grip and became this projectile. And he, he lands on the ground. And you hear this big snap. It's like, uh-oh, And so everybody runs, of course. Somebody goes go Mother Superior. She comes out. She's madder than a hornet. Uh, I end up getting in trouble uh, as if though I was instigating this or something, but I was always in trouble, so that was nothing new. But I did get the girl. Never got the quarter, but I did get Amy. So it was was kind of... It was shortly after that that I asked her to marry me. I was a little ahead of my time. I I matured early. Uh, But she did not accept the offer. Now, here's the point. Life is a whole lot like that, isn't it? Life is a whole lot like that. We live in a spin world. It's 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 a busy, chaotic world. There's so much you got to do. All the these there's pressures and obligations, and we've got aspirations that we want to achieve, and and. and we're, we're, we're bombarded with even thoughts of regret in the past, and uh, pressures in the present, and, and, and the present, and kids to take care of. It. And now we come to holiday season, and you got to go out and buy the all, all these gifts, or at least that's what you're supposed to do. And, and, and there's pressures to make contact with the, the in-laws and your parents, and, and pressure to take care of the job. You don't want to lose the house, you don't want to lose the job. You got to take care of the car. The faucet's not working. The toilet's backed up. What do you? It's, it's one thing or the other. One thing or, or, or the other. It spins and spins. And see, if we are not careful, we get pulled out of ourselves. Right. We have a center. It's who we truly are. We've got to negotiate the spin. So we can't make it all go away. But, but, but the question is, do we live there or do we live out of our center? And if we're not careful, if we grab onto the spin, it pulls us out of ourselves. It looks a little bit like this. and Here's the merry-go-round. There we are. And the world is a spinning world. And that spinning world impacts our body, which then impacts our mind. Our soul. And if we're not careful, it defines who we are. There's a centrifugal force to this busy, crazy world. So much to worry about, so much you got to do, so much you got to accomplish, so many oughts, so many shoulds, so many agendas. And it's all there in the world, busy, 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 and the enemy would love to take that busyness and pull us out of the center and eventually make us turn us into a projectile like Danny. And what decides how we're pulled is the mind. To go back to the, the first diagrams that we, 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 we looked at there. What is going on in your mind? Are you a disciple of your mind? Here's the thing. You've got to deal with the spin. You've got to deal with the spin. But, but, but the question is, is, will that spin occupy you 24-7? Do you remember who you are in your essence? And can you, can you find that center in the midst of the spin? It's good that we, and necessary, as we've been saying throughout this series, that we find ways to slow down the spin, to simplify our lives, to bring order to the chaos, to surrender it all over to God. That's that's very, very true. But even more fundamental than that is this question, because there's always going to be some spin. The question is, where do we live in this? And that question comes out to be this. Are we, is our mind, is our mind moment to moment being defined by the busyness? Yeah, you're 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 a parent. You got to get the kids up, and you got to get them out the door. You got to get them to school. Then you got to do the go to work, and you got to do the job, and you got to pay the bills, and you gotta 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 gotta. But the question is, is is your mind filled with that? Is that the content of how how you see yourself and how you experience yourself, or do you know that you're more than that? Do you remember that you're more than that? Do you remember that you're a child of God? Do you remember that you belong to him? Do you remember that you're going to live forever? Do you remember that that, that he's he's called you to live in a different way? Do you remember your identity? Yes, you're a dad, but you're more than a dad. Yes, you're a mom, but you're more than a mom. Yes, you're a student, but you're more than a student. Your essence is a kingdom person. Your essence, you have the center that is strong. And in that center, there is peace. In that center, there is peace. The most fundamental problem is not that the world spins because it's going to keep on spinning. We need to bring as much sanity to that as we can. But the most fundamental problem is not that. The problem is rather this. Next slide. The problem is we live on the perimeter rather than the center. We grab onto this busyness and it it occupies our mind. We don't create the space to find that center, that center of peace we've been talking about throughout this series. And so we're hanging on for dear life in the centrifugal zone in the, in the zone where we're always feeling this force, this pressure, this anxiety. And like Danny, we get nauseated when we hang out at that place. We get nauseated. You can't help it. The nausea maybe takes the form of constant fatigue or constant anxiety or maybe depression or an inability to sleep. We, we, we experience the nausea of living at the perimeter of the spin in a lot of different ways. Yes, try to slow it down. But the thing is, is if you're hanging out for dear life, it's hard, to, it's hard to have any wisdom about it. You're too busy just surviving. But when, if you can find that center, that center that where, where God defines you, God tells you who you are, you're marrow, well, there's a, there's a piece that is there, and that piece gives us wisdom about the spin. Where are you living? Are, are you finding that center? Or are you living in the perimeter, about ready to fall off? The question is, where do you live? And what will decide that is, are you a disciple of your brain? Are you telling your brain what to think? Are you remembering that you're more than the body And the mind in this world, there's a place, there's a center, the no-spin zone. But that's not the good news. I mean, that is good news, that you have access to a center where there's peace. But that's not the good news. That's the prelude to the good news. The good news is not just that you have, that you're more than your thought and, and activity in the world. The really good news is not that you have a center. The good news, the best news, is that God lives there. God lives in your center. So you find all over the place, dozens of times in the New Testament, verses like this. Paul says that you are not controlled by the sinful nature, but you are in the Spirit of God. But are in the Spirit, if indeed God lives in you. If indeed God lives in you. The Spirit of God lives in you. In that center where we are more than our think, God lives. He dwells there. And I'm using spatial metaphors here, but they work. Uh, God dwells in this center place. Every person who uh, yields himself to the Holy Spirit, God fills you at like, like nature abhorring a vacuum. Okay, that's the mustard seed of the kingdom that comes there. That is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God isn't some kind of impersonal force and isn't an angel. We're talking about God Almighty. God himself lives in you. You are the temple of God. The, the God who created the universe who spoke the stars into existence. That God lives in you. The big God, the real God, the creator God, the redeeming God. He, he it takes up habitation in you. So you have access not just to a no-spin zone. You have access to a God-habitation zone. And that changes everything. That means the power of God lives within you. Uh, you're a walking, talking temple of God. But it's not just that God lives in you. No, it's even better than that. Uh-huh. Because. It means. It means. The Bible tells us that God unites himself with us. God unites himself with us. Look at this verse. Paul says, do, not, do you not know that he who unites himself with the prostitute is one with her body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Whoever has united himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Now, Paul here is, is trying to uh, explain to the Corinthians why they should stop going to prostitutes. <laughs> it's a profound truth. <laughs> you guys, you know, you know what? Okay, you know, you know Christians, here's the deal. You've got to stop going to these prostitutes. Uh, spiritual immaturity is not a new American thing. It goes back a long ways. So Paul is putting, putting the cookies on the bottom shelf. But what's interesting is he doesn't just say, stop it, stop it, stop it. He explains why. And I can't go into all the reasons why right now, except to say this. What Paul and the entire Bible knows that many, in fact, most modern people have forgotten is that sex is not simply a pleasurable biological activity. There's a spiritual component there. You're creating a kind of a oneness with a person, and uh, that does something, which is why if you do it, that's why God, for our own purposes, says, do it, stick with one. Because when we start uh, uniting with other people all over the place, it tears us apart, it does stuff, it damages us. And so Paul is saying, you know, that's damaging stuff. But the most important thing that we need to see is this. Uh, the, at the bottom of uh, at the root of, of why he's telling them not to go to prostitutes, is he says, you have become one with God. Something like the one flesh union happens between us and God. He says the same thing in Ephesians 5. Something like that, that union that, that happens between a husband and a wife happens with us and the Lord. He unites himself to us. Which means that at our center, in our core, it's not only a place where God dwells with our spirit, but it's the place where God has united himself with our spirit. We, he, he somehow, as it were, fuses himself to us. And we don't become God like a lot of New Age folks try to, try, try to say and, or anything like that. But there's this fusion that goes on. And so we need to think of it this way. Uh, uh, next diagram. The world is spinning all around us. The centrifugal force is always pulling at us. But we have a center, the no-spin zone. And in that center, which is the no-spin zone, that is the place where God unites himself with our spirit. There we have God's own peace. See, it's not just that we can get peace because God is with us, but God unites his peace with us. God unites his joy with us. It's as though he squeezes his peace into us. He squeezes his joy into us. He squeezes his love into us. He fuses his power into us. That is what is at the center of our life. So what we need to know is that while this world keeps on spinning and there's chaos all around us, uh, we've got not just this no-spin zone, but this united-with-God zone in the core of our being. Yeah, you maybe are going through the divorce and it's really nasty and you're being torn in a lot of directions at work and you're worried about them foreclosing on your home. But you've got to remember that you've got this I'm united with God place inside of you. And it doesn't change because of your circumstances. Yeah, you're having trouble with the kids and trouble with the finances and trouble with the health and all things are going wrong. And the world is going to hell in a handbasket. But you've got this I'm united with God zone in the center of of, of your life. It's there and it does not go away. The only question is, will you benefit from that? It's true. It's true whether, whether you know it or not, but if it's true, why not benefit from it? No, notice this. You have this. You have this now. It's not over there, this union with God. It's not over there, this union with God. God Almighty is united with you right now. You have this. It's not a little bit more in that hyper-chrismatic person or that super-spiritual person or that one who's got it together. It's not like you're going to get it if only you can get your act together. Uh, no, it's not like it's over there in that revival. People chase God all over, all over the universe. And it's living right in them. You see, you, know, you, 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 you no know, ifs, ands, or buts. If you surrender to Jesus, you have this I'm United with God's zone. And you have it now. Not yesterday, not tomorrow. Not on condition that you get your act together. No, you have this now. In fact, what will help you get your act together is when you realize that you have God in your life before you get your act together. Because he's the one who empowers you to get your act together. Uh, it's all there right there. <laughs> United with God. Amen. You have a center. The question is, Amen. will you benefit from this or not? Will you benefit from this or not? And what will decide that is this. If, if your brain is occupied with the busyness 24-7, well, that's what's going to... That will be your experienced self. That's your suke. That's, that's, that, that's what you will experience is true. Will you go to the place regularly. To remember that you're more than the spin, more than the body, more than the physical experience of the world. You are spirit. You are spirit. You have a center. And God lives there. And God is united with you there. And you have access to that right this second. Right this second. No ifs, ands, or buts. I don't care what you're going through. No, this doesn't change. God God doesn't condition his peace. The peace of God isn't the absence of spin. No, the peace of God is there. Because God is there in the midst of the spin, in the midst of the spin. Look at this picture. This is a kind of a. It's always good to imagine things as concretely as possible. And I want to end with an exercise here. This is us. This is us. We, we're, we, the world's a hurricane. This is. It's just a hurricane. It's always spinning. Sometimes more, sometimes less. But there's always this going on around us. Sometimes people live in situations where there's wars going on, getting killed. I mean, there's a ton of stuff. But the center of the hurricane is a center where they say it's more peaceful than it is in normal peaceful times. Our soul, I mean our spirit, is that center. And I want to, see, can, you, can you see that as being true of you? You have that center. Somehow represent that. You have this center inside of you. By God's own design. You're not just body and soul, you are spirit. And everything that God ever said is true about you is true right there. And that's where God lives. And that's where God's own peace, eternal peace, is united with you. So I going to do this exercise. You might find that it's helpful. To, I, I always like to put my hands up, cup it. It just creates, what we do with our body affects how our, the receptivity of our, our soul. And so it's a, cupping your hands up is a way of just being receptive. But you don't have to. Whatever, whatever works for you. And I encourage you to close your eyes. And, and now imagine yourself kind of zooming into that center. Going, you just jump into that center, and now you're on the ground in that center. Imagine this hurricane more like a tornado. It's a cyclone. You're in the middle of the cyclone. And somehow, however the Holy Spirit gives you to represent this, know that that, that, that cyclone is the chaos of your life. See it. You're in this place, it's so central, the center of your world. And all around you is spinning, the cyclone. Maybe you see it being destructive. And that represents all the pressure, all the demands, all the questions, all the troubles, all the bad news, all the oughts, all the shoulds, all the regrets. It's spinning around you. There it is, it's spinning. But you're in the center. And there it is quiet. Just look at, just observe the wall of chaos that goes on around you. And now remember that God is with you in this center. God is there. God is there. And try to now represent God being there, however that works for you. Some people, I, I, I usually see Jesus or I see the eyes of Jesus. He's there with you in the center. Or maybe you just sort of want to imagine him holding you, because he is. You're not making this up, he is holding you this moment. Uh, I, you know, some people sense you know, just a, a sense of warmth that is there hear or other people can hear God there and in that center he says to you hear him say this surrender the center to me surrender the chaos to me the minute you grab onto it it will suck you in surrender it to me and I am here and I am not going away hear him say what he's already said is true He says, I will give you perfect peace in the midst of all circumstances if you keep your mind on me. I love being in this place with you. I love sharing myself with you. I love sharing my joy. Here, it's yours. As you watch this world spin around you, breathe in the perfect peace of his presence. He's there. And he says, you don't need to know how. You don't need to know when, but... I promise you it's going to be okay. I'm wise enough to bring good out of every evil. Trust me on that. Surrender it to me. And I can give you wisdom in this quiet place, this quiet center, this quiet temple where you and I live together. I'll give you wisdom about that chaos, how to slow it down if you surrender it to me. I love when you come off from the perimeter, the constant pull of the centrifugal force of the world, and come to the center place. Well, you visit me often here. I never go away. At any second, you can turn and I will be here because I never go away. And believe the words of truth that I've said about you. Don't believe the lie, the spin doctors out there. Now, you are my precious child, my radiant bride are forgiven, you are loved, we dwell together in heavenly places, you are seated far above principalities and powers, you have an authority that goes beyond anything in this world. Surrender it all to me and live in this peaceful center. Uh, yes, Lord. You know how I want to end this? I, I, I want to just, if, if you're in a zone where you feel like you're making a connection there, I don't want to pull you out of that. Stay as long as you want. Just, Steve, keep playing the music. I want to invite the prayer team up here, and if you'd like to pray with them about any need whatsoever, maybe it's about finding that center place. Uh, I invite you to come forward and and do that. It's all just about imagining the truth. You know the truth, but imagine it. And now regularly, I encourage you to regularly go to that center. Every day, in fact. I spend the first half hour of every day just being in that center so I don't get sucked into the spin. And, and then throughout the day, always remember, turn your mind to this. Be renewed by the transformation around Tell yourself the truth. Maybe put post-it notes in your car or wherever you go to remember that, yes, you're a dad who's got a lot of busy dad stuff to do, but you're more than the dad. You've got an essence that needs to be cared for and and your mom has got to do a lot of moming stuff, but but you're more than the mom. And your spouse who's got to do a lot of spouse stuff, but you're more than the spouse. You're a worker who's got to do a lot of work stuff, but you're more than the worker. You're Numa, you're spirit. You have a center where God dwells, where God is united with you. Live out of that center. Let God's will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. God bless you guys. Feel free to be dismissed. But if you want to sit down for a while, just enjoy that center. Feel free to do it. See you next week.